Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, a very good friend of mine and hilarious comedian, Brian Ziola. What's going on? Oh, man? hi there. Hey, Brennan, my <laughs> ex-drinking buddy. Hey. So what's going on? How you been, man? Oh, man. You know, it's seven to 12 months of not seeing anyone. Yeah, that's Just Being in my home. Well, Brian Ziola is a very funny comedian based out of Jacksonville, Florida. Now, why don't you plug everything up top? Tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. Uh, you can find me on pretty much everything. Just my name, Brian Ziola. That's uh, Z-E-O-L-L-A. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, yeah, I'm out there. I'm doing shit. Uh, I have shows. If you're in Jacksonville, I, I host a monthly show called Powder Keg at Hyperion Brewing. Uh, but other than that, I, I, I can be found, uh, making people angry on the internet. Yeah. We've got a show coming up the 16th of October at Hyperion, yep. October 16th. And then whatever the third Friday of November is. Yeah. Whatever day that is. Yeah. It's a Friday. I know that. So what do you, how you been doing with the, uh, comedy in the pandemic? Oh man. You know, <laughs> Every I've time. done so little of it. Um, I didn't really like the whole, like, doing it on Facebook Live or whatever, you know. Yeah, did you do, I talked shows. to Marcus about this. Did you do, how many of those did you do? I, I did one stand-up show. Okay. Um, I, I avoided them pretty, pretty big at the beginning. And then by, like, July, I think is when I did the one, I was like, I have to do something. Yeah. We did, like, Zach Bennett shows. Yeah, the, And the those sketch were shows. more silly. Yeah, just, just like, fun. Yeah, just having fun character or just conversation. But the stand-up is so awkward. It's just not how I know how to do stand-up. So yeah, I, I don't like doing it. I completely agree. It, the hardest part is not having the interaction with the audience. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the hardest thing. You can, uh, I made the mistake too of the, the one show I did, I watched one right before my show. Yeah. And it was Maria Bamford and Ron Funches. Okay. And, uh, and like people were reacting to that. And because those people are two of the funniest people in yeah. the country. And so people were like, you know, laughing in their mics and you can hear it and people are applauding. And then I go to my show and every. <laughs> No one wants to make noise because they think they're doing something wrong. Like yeah. They think they're getting, I don't know. It's just so weird. Oh, it doesn't God. work. Yeah, I tried I tried to do one and it was just, it was too awkward because my whole thing is the, you know, telling like kind of stories. So I need people to interact while, sure. we're, while I'm, do, you know, same oh, yeah. thing. Like I remember we did that one show at the McMansion and you were in the middle of the joke and the girl just shouted out, adopted. And you're like, all right, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Wait, where was this a McMansion? Re remember at oh, a Ted's, Ted's show. Yeah, that's God, right. that was that was a mess. Oh man. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, so we started doing shows in Florida again. We're um, now doing kind out of. You yeah. know, I've only done mine. Uh, okay, so that's you haven't the only done last the eclipse. Show I've done. Yeah. No, I didn't do eclipse, um, and I haven't done like I haven't gone to, down to Daytona. I know they're doing shows. Yeah. But well, I talked to Zach down there, and he's. Um, He's kind of given the reins to um, Tibbert. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, and I even asked him, I said, you know, like what's, what's going on? Cause Zach Bennett is Daytona comedy yes. in a way. And so I had asked him, you know, kind of what was going on with him and everything. And he just said that kind of what we're all feeling, which is, I, is it's just not right right now. Like yeah, everything's weird. I mean, I don't, that, that was the hardest thing about me putting my show together that first month was like, 
I don't want to ask people and then feel like they have to say yes yeah. because like, you know, but also like if you don't want to do the show, don't do the show. If you're uncomfortable with it, I get it. I'm yeah. kind of uncomfortable with it too. And I've turned down shows because of that, you yeah. know? Um, but I knew that I had control over what was going to happen at my show. It was outdoors. So theoretically there's, it's better, you know, I don't know. Um, but like, yeah, it's a weird thing. Cause you know, I put up in like one of our Facebook groups, like who wants to do this show? I'm not going to ask you, you have to ask me because I don't know who wants it, you know? Yeah. And it's a weird time right now because of that. Well, obviously with the pandemic and the health issues and stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the main thing. Yeah. yeah. That's well, the... And it's, it's bizarre. And I was talking to Marcus about this too, but it's, it's weird for me. And I know he said the same thing and I know you're, you're still working. Um, and I've been back at work now for mm -hmm. like six months, five months. So it's, it's one of those weird things where it's like, I'm doing everything I was doing before, mm -hmm. obviously still taking the precautions that we're supposed to be taking, but I just don't have comedy in my life. And yeah. that's been like, and it's a huge part of our lives. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have a dead end job because comedy is more important to me. Yeah. But, same thing with me. You yeah. know, it's like now that I don't have comedy, I just have a job I hate. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> oh my God, it's the worst. And then, and then you also realize, you know, I'm not at a high level of comedy, but, I did get income from it yeah. and I am missing that income. You know what I mean? Like, Everybody listening, Brian is being incredibly <laughs> modest. He did open at three theater shows for yeah. Dimitri Martin just a few months yeah. ago. So, no, it was not a few months ago. Well, no, it was, I it mean, was exactly 10 months ago. You have to take the pandemic out of it. I had, a, I had a real solid start of the year and then nothing. <laughs> that was all the way back in January. That was, or yeah, the end of January, twenty oh fifth, sixth, and seventh. I think that was awesome, though. It was fun. It was great, and I really thought twenty twenty was my year. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was supposed to be in New York, so yeah. we, we all thought. I think we no, all thought twenty twenty. Yeah, I had three festivals booked, and yeah, because yeah. you were doing the. So you do the festival? Do you do that festival in Austin every year? Not every year. So I, I, I do it. I've done it often. I've done it. Now, what is it? Tell the listeners what we're talking about. Yeah, so this is, I think, one of the best festivals in the country. It's Altercation Comedy Festival, and it's run by my friend J.T. Habersat, who I tour with. Yeah. Um, and he's taken me on the road for the last seven, six years, probably six years. Um, I've been on the road with him. So uh, he has put me on, I was on the first one, the th third one, and the fourth one or something like that. Um, I've done three, uh, and I was... Uh, and they're a blast. It's 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 altercation comedy. It's uh it's like I've opened for Kyle Kinane on one of the festivals. I opened for Billy Wayne Davis last year. Oh wow! Um, and it's just a lot of fun. And and you know I I get on it because it's not why I get on it, but I <laughs> I, I tour with. The I guy, know so the owner. He loves me. He knows that I'm gonna I'm gonna do the job. So. Yeah. Uh, and and that then was... I was on Bird City Comedy Festival in Phoenix, and oh, wow. that got canceled. That was in March. Um, so they were like, they were the first thing to cancel before everything canceled. Yeah. Like they saw that South by Southwest was having problems mm -hmm. and then they were like, well, we don't feel comfortable doing this. And then, and then the whole world shut down. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was supposed to be on fest in October, uh, in Gainesville, which is like a punk rock festival with a lot of bands and stuff. And that's my favorite time of the year. And that got canceled too. So did you imagine? So after you do the theater tour, and then we're all hanging out and we think, all right, here we go. 2020. Yeah. And then this all starts happening. Cause did you imagine it was going to be October and we're all still kind of like, I, I had no idea. I mean, 
you know, at that time, of course not. At January, I yeah. had no idea this was coming. Yeah. By March, when I started having to cancel stuff, like I canceled the festival, I canceled the tour that was around the festival. I lost some paying gigs in because Florida. I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's a big thing that you do is when you have a festival, and for a lot of people listening who aren't in comedy, a lot of times you'll schedule other shows around a bigger not everyone will do that i definitely will i want to be on the road yeah and i have a fear of flying so i won't get in a plane um so to me i'm getting in my car anyway yeah i don't want to drive to phoenix in one drive or i don't want to just get a hotel room halfway through like i'm gonna get five shows on the way break up the drive get money yeah you'll make more money off of doing those shows than the festival the festival is for networking and all that stuff yeah you you get paid but you you know what i mean like yeah yeah. i can sell more merch probably at a show than i would at a festival for sure yeah so so you have that's what i always do i always tour like that yeah um but i yeah that all got shut down yeah and it was weird because i remember when it happened as someone who studied history in college and stuff i was like well, the government's not going to shut it all down. Like, they've never done that before. Yeah. And I, my girlfriend was kind of panicking, and I, I was just like, it's going to be it's gonna be fine. Like, there's like this kind of stuff happens, but there's we're going to be okay. And then we weren't. Yeah. And then it wasn't. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this might last a lot longer than any of us anticipated. because." Well, and it's funny because there was a lot of rogue stuff happening, too, where, you know, people just did stuff anyway. Yeah. Bars stayed open. Yeah. Uh, but that is not anyone that I am dealing with when I'm booking shows or yeah, performing yeah. for or anything. Like, all the people that I'm working with are pretty reasonable and are like, hey, man, there's a pandemic. We're not going to do those shows anymore. Yeah, you and know? it was weird because I've, I've told the story before on the podcast, but when I um did the show up in Dayton... It's like Dayton is really weird the way it works. So it's it's, you know, it's sad to say, but it's an incredibly almost like segregated area. So it's like Trump country on one side and then it's, you know, a a vast majority of minorities on another side. Mm -hmm. So when I went to go do the show in Dayton, the the bar that I did it at um, is in the middle of the the Trump country kind of land. So it was so weird because everyone's there we did it outdoors i was trying to be socially distant and people are coming up trying to like shake your hand and like give you a hug and like get real close and tell you what's fun and i'm like get the fuck away from me like what is happening that's not how this works yeah like like, we're 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 dipping our toes in and you're just shoving me in the pool with my cell phone in my pocket exactly no i don't want that yeah it's a great way to put (laughs) it let's check it if it's cold get off of me (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i i Literally, I got to the point where, because it was, I've, like I said, I told the story so everyone knows it's the bar that my mom owns and her, uh, my stepdad. But I got to the point where I was telling like their coworkers and some of their friends, like, no, like you got to get away from me, because it's and it's one of those weird things too, because where it's located and it being my mom and stepdad's bar, everyone just assumes I'm like, hell yeah, fuck this, this is a hoax. I'm like, no, I don't think that at all. I listen to science. Yeah. Like, I understand you guys don't even probably have the internet up here, but I understand what's going on. Yeah. So, and, and I, you know, we hung out early on, I think pretty early on. Like yeah. Maybe. It was March May, or April. April even. Yeah. yeah. And like, I remember you were a little less worried for yourself. Yeah. Like, you're like, I'm, you know. I'm a physically fit person who isn't feeling symptomatic. Like I'm, I'm comfortable coming to your house. Yeah. Um, 
And and I know that you, on the other hand, would never like if somebody isn't that that you wouldn't like get in their face and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there's so many people that just don't care. And like, and it's not even Trump people or any, it's not MAGA people. It is for sure. But then there's, then <laughs> it there's is, just, but then there's another level. There's also just people that will walk into the gas station without a mask on cough on the credit card reader. And like, you're like, well, I don't, why, Yeah. why are you doing this to you? like anyone? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Cause it's not, that hard and they've got masks out now like i love wearing my thick boy mask yeah i think it's it's hilarious and i love it yeah so i love to wear my mask out outside but there's yeah, just people fashion baby yeah exactly <laughs> and there's just some of these people who just refuse and i'll admit early on i was kind of like I had that weird tweak in my brain where I was like, wait a second, the government's shutting down my source of income. And then I became angry, yeah, like everybody. Yeah. I was like, you can't do this. Like the whole reason after I got sober, the whole reason I'm alive is to do comedy. Because mm -hmm. I told my sponsor when I first got sober, I was like, if I can't, if I'm just going to meetings every day and working two jobs, I'm just going to fucking kill myself. Like this is, 100%. I have to have something. And he said, well, why don't you get back into comedy? And I've told you this story before. And then I started doing comedy again and got really invested in it. And then the government just took it away. Yeah. And I was at the beginning, I was so angry. And I remember being one of those pieces of shit who was like, they can't fucking tell me what to do. Da, da, da. And then after like a day, I was like, oh, wait, like this is killing people. Yeah. Like maybe we should. And, and then you also see your government saying constantly, like, we need to open it up. And yeah. like, like we don't live in a democratic state. So we see our people being like this shouldn't be closed. This shouldn't be closed. Yeah. The people want this open. Trump is saying this shit. And you're like, well, I guess it's not the government shutting us down. Yeah, like, exactly. Well, there's it's, supposed to be another power yeah. to be. It must be Q. Well, speaking um. of, <laughs> speaking of not shutting stuff down, you hail from the state of, not shutting anything yeah, down. Well, you you're know, originally from Texas. Florida and Texas have been so lockstep and like <laughs> not giving a shit about anyone. Like yeah. uh, Greg Abbott's done some of the worst shit. I mean, the most recent one is the one one per county uh, mail in ballot drop off point. Like, is that what they're doing? One spot in each county for you to go and do it. So now they have like lines up the wazoo of like cars waiting to get their ballots wow. it's just voter fraud you yeah know, it's just suppression it's voter suppression so fuck texas fuck florida fuck <laughs> georgia <laughs> but you are you were raised in texas so i grew up in i i was like a little kid in texas okay. and then i moved to new york um like my late elementary years and oh, i, I did that. all of middle school in chicago and then i moved back to texas and did all of high school and Okay, further. yeah, because when because you have a couple jokes about it, and so I just assumed you went from Texas to Florida. No, yeah, I mean, I I I live most of my life in Texas, and I consider myself a Texan. Yeah, in that way, and uh, okay, yeah, uh, <laughs> and edit point. <laughs> Dallas Nelson, ladies and gentlemen, surprise visit. What's going on, man? Well, not really a surprise visit. I'm in your. It's home. not a visit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dallas, Edit. you're going up next. All right. We're, we're filming the podcast. Filming. We're recording the podcast. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. Okay, or if you say so. Yeah. Um, Visit from Dallas, J J Dallas Nelson, everybody. 
I'd say that Chicago was very formative for me. I found a lot of music there and yeah. stuff. I became a punk kid in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, because you're huge into music. Yeah, yeah. And that was a huge part of my life growing up. But um, but yeah, I'm a Texan. Like, okay. That's who I I'm from Houston. Now, what, what? tell the audience the the music. Because you, you were doing this thing. Was that last month? The Scott? Scott, <laughs> Scott Timber. Scott yeah. Timber, yeah. Yeah, that was my friend, like created the hashtag Jay Shenoyne. He's a comic from the East coast. And, uh, he was like, I'm going to review, I'm going to listen to and review ska albums every day for the month of September. And then me and a couple other comics jumped on it and it was a lot of fun, Yeah, but also I don't want to hear ska music again for a little while. (laughs) Um, Uh, I'm pretty content only listening to like iron and wine for the next year. Um, (laughs) so yeah, that, I mean, I've, I grew up in punk music. I, I've been all over the place in music. Yeah. Punk's still super important to me though. Yeah. Cause there were some of the band, some of the stuff you had posted. I was like, God, I haven't seen this since my older brother was listening to this yeah. stuff. Back yeah, in the yeah, day. yeah. Well, so I'm old. <laughs> you're not that much older than me. I don't know how much older I am than you, but I'll never tell. <laughs> so Texas, you were an oil in Texas, correct? So that was like my job through my twenties. Yeah. Um, I built oil valves in a warehouse. Um, Because I wanted to circle back to what we were talking about before, and I I I know you have a bit about it, so I don't know if you want to burn it or not. No, I don't. Okay. No, I don't. I don't even know what bit you're talking about. So you (laughs) you retired from oil to do comedy. Yeah, that's an old bit. Um, Yeah, I I did. It's no Jason's Deli. It's no Jason's Deli. (laughs) Jesus Christ! You watch my YouTube. Um, Don't do that, folks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I did. I I I had like a real job all through my twenties. It was like. You know, it's it wasn't a good job, but when you're 22 and you have a 401k, you think like I fucking figured life out. Yeah, I got it. I fucking it's over, baby. Yeah, college was who who would have done that? I got a 401k. (laughs) I'm 22, and so I did that for most of my 20s, and then it just started like wearing on me. Mm -hmm. If I I started comedy when I was 27, and at that time I I um. I was working nights in the warehouse and I was like in a supervisory role and like it was a oh, real thing. This is, and so like I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is going to be the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I, I, if I keep doing this, it, I don't stop. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to start doing comedy, but I worked nights, so I couldn't. And they told me that I couldn't switch to day shifts. So I was like, all right, here's my notice. Um, this is more important to me. I have a bunch of money saved in my 401k and I looked at it this way. I looked at it like at 27 years old, I can try this for a few years. And if it, it, it's impossible, if it's something that does not work at all, most of the people I know in their thirties do not have a retirement fun yet yeah, you know like exactly. i can start over yeah. and it's it's a dumb choice but it's not the dumbest choice you know what i mean like it's it's not something i'm not going to recover from yeah and so i started comedy 27 and it was it really i mean and that kind of goes also with this podcast um the reason i also needed that change was i worked nights i got off at four or five in the morning and I was drinking at the time. I'm also sober now. Yeah. And I would drink like two or three bottles of wine 
from like six in the morning till 11 in the morning living in texas <laughs> yeah and ladies so i'm and just gentlemen, like the sun is just bleeding yeah. into my windows as i drink red wine by myself the wine the wine aesthetic is hilarious because yeah. brian's a bigger guy and you're living in texas you're working in it oil was gas station wine no it's not let's not <laughs> make I it just sound imagine like you drinking whiskey smoking cigarettes <laughs> nope. and you're like no i got this bordeaux from the 7-eleven <laughs> yeah I, I yeah I, or you know barefoot um, <laughs> but yeah i would just drink shitty wine and i would watch youtube by myself yeah. as the sun oh, yeah. came up and then i'd go to sleep from 11 a.m till i went to work at like three or four you know yeah um and that's it was the life, not good man. it was gross it yeah. was it was bad it's it's really funny you say that because i um i was in that same point and i was you know watching netflix on my phone like doing shots in a yeah. dark room by myself in Oklahoma City when I was living with my cousin for a little while. And he, ca- he would come in and be like, why don't you like go out if you're going to drink? And I'm like, I am socially drinking with my friends on Netflix. <laughs> and it's like, that's not Chandler's okay. here. Yeah. Phoebe's here. Yeah. I'm watching Jersey Shore. I'm beating the beat up in the room by myself. But yeah, it's it's definitely not the most fun existence. Yeah, that was definitely my worst drinking point, because when it's alone, it's just it's just such a bummer. You yeah. Know? Um, and, and the reason I, I've always been gravitated, I've always gravitated towards wine because I don't have a taste for alcohol. I hate it. Yeah. Like beer sucks to me. I hate the taste. Um, there are different, like the girlier, the mixed drink, I'm going to like more, you know, yeah. I'm that guy. Like I need it to, I need the sugar to sweeten it up. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, uh, you know, like whiskey shots and stuff, I can do them. But here's the thing is because I hate the taste, I do them faster. Like a beer, if you hand me a beer, I'm going to do the whole thing right there because I don't want to sip on this. It tastes like shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So now I'm just a fucking college boy (laughs) just pounding beers and hitting them against my head and like, (laughs) Fucking like, cause I let's yeah. do this. Yeah. Cause I, what I really want is just pink lemonade flavored things. Yeah. You know? Well, you did the, um, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, I remember we did a show. What was that? Where you did the Smirnoffs. Yeah. So I've done that a few times. I've done it three, I think. Um, I Ladies and gentlemen, it is the greatest sight you'll ever see. <laughs> Brian comes on stage and houses a six pack of Smirnoffs. In like two minutes. Yeah, not yeah. even. Yeah, 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 probably less. Yeah. Well, I, that's the thing I learned when I was partying and shit in my early 20s is that I can just drown shit real fast. Yeah. It's like the Ziggy Zoggy Banjo Ziggy, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah. you know, and like uh, and it's specifically with like something like a Smirnoff like that. I can just boom, like yeah. shotgun right down my body. Well, so. and I remember when you were doing it, I was like, he's going to throw up. Yeah. Like, this is a lot of sugar. It's not even the alcohol content, really. It's I was not like, the this alcohol is- content. It's the sugar that fucks you up. And it gets you fucked up real quick yeah. because it's so much sugar going to your brain and then that alcohol, which is gross, you know, and yeah. then it's just like, so yeah, I did like six of them in a row. And the you've first done time that I more did than in one. Houston, um, a girl pretty much broke up with me over her. Really? I don't want to ever see you like that again. And I don't think you won't do that again. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. This is after being sober for so long. So. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't make it a regular thing, Yeah, uh, but I, I did it kind of yearly for a little while. Yeah. Well, it's funny because my, I tell my girlfriend all the time, um, cause she'll say random things like, it's just kind of sad that we're never going to be able to like sit out on a deck in New York and drink margaritas and people watch. And I go, no, we can do that. It'll be really fun for like a month. 
But then when you're coming home and paying all the bills and I'm passed out on the floor and yeah. there's dog shit everywhere, you're going to be like, something's not good about this. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, we can we can do whatever you want, but <laughs> it's not going to last. You just got to learn the joy of virgin daiquiris. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're good. They're slushies. Yeah. That's all it is. That's all, and that's all I want. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I realized when I stopped drinking was like, oh, I just want to hang out with people mm-hmm. and drink things that taste good yeah so like like when i started like classing it up a little bit and not just pounding shit like if i went to shows and stuff and i would drink i always drink cake cods because fucking cranberry juice and vodka is good yeah you know? yeah, like, yeah yeah for and sure. it's way more drinkable than like just a shot of whiskey in my opinion yeah absolutely. Um, so yeah i would and and then people would make fun of me because i drink cape cods well now i'm sober and i drink shirley temple so yes. go suck my dick yeah exactly um. <laughs> <laughs> well and that's the thing too is because we're the the circles that we run in i mean me you crespo buck dallas baker like we are silly people anyway. Like yeah. We just like to have a good time. Yeah. And it's weird. I've something I've learned out being sober and doing comedy and stuff is being around like patrons of the shows mm-hmm. and they have to get like hammered in order to be in those situations. And I'm just like, that's, it's really funny. Cause this scene specifically, the Jacksonville scene is really chill about not, it's not a drinking scene. It's yeah. not a druggy scene. Like people do stuff, but it's nothing excessive. Like yeah. I've been in cokey scenes. I've oh, been in, I'm you sure. Know, yeah. And you see like the drinking that happens in some of the scenes. Dude, I started Florida. comedy in South Florida. Like yeah. that was, yeah. I, I was one of those people in yeah. that scene, <laughs> but I know uh, Crespo and I talked about it last week and that's the thing with the Jacksonville scene is almost nobody really drinks that much. And if they not drink, heavily. yeah. And if they drink, they'll have a couple of like very rarely, do you see people get like fucking obliterated yeah. and then try to get up? Cause him and I were having this conversation, and you and I have had this conversation too about when people get really fucked up and then try to get up on stage. Oh, that's the yeah. And we're just like, you're now you're just wasting time. Yeah. Like we've all written material. We've all, we're all ready to go. And now you're just up here killing time. Yeah. And it's, I can't stand it. That's <laughs> like, I want to get up there and hit him, but then everyone's going to be like, Oh, look at Brennan, totally being Brennan. And that is, I, I am super, I'm super happy I started comedy after I got sober because for me, it would be trying to find that perfect concoction that yeah. like, what, what is the, what, what is the, the code for how much I can drink to do what I do? Yeah. And I would, I would never find it. You, you know what I well, mean? That's the thing that happened with me. So I started in South Florida um, and I like started at 21, 22, and I would just get hammered yeah. because at the time I didn't have any material. And I've talked about this before, but going through like old joke books from 2009, 2010, I'm like, this is all dog shit. Yeah. Like all of this. And I would get hammered and I would get on stage and be like, oh, well, I tell like I tell jokes to my friends and they laugh so I can do it on stage. And it was horrific because I could never find that balance of enough, like a couple of drinks to feel loose, but not enough to where I'm like blacked out on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was it's a mess. Yeah, that would be a nightmare for me because I already I already can't. I've gotten much better about it, obviously. Obviously, I'm very good at comedy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten much better at, like, figuring out um, the little things that happen on stage and how they work and if they're repeatable things. Mm -hmm. But, like, early on, my first couple years, like, 
I was chasing a lot of moments that were only ever going to be that one time. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a great way to put and, it. Yeah. And if I were drinking, chasing that, Oh, I, <laughs> I Dude. would not be where I'm at. You know? Yeah. I remember I did a show. Um, it was a Christmas show, um, at a strip club off of Mayport and it was called like ha ha ha's and ho ho ho's or something like that. And Crespo and I were talking about it, but it was the first, um, because I think he had done that show like a year prior. Mm. And it was the first time I had done comedy in like six months. And so I just got obliterated before I went on stage. And I tried to tell the story of spending the $27,000 or $26,000 in 28 days, which I've told on this podcast before. But imagine that like epic of a story with all the details hammered. Like I I was leaving stuff out. I kept having to like go back and like everyone's just kind of looking at me like this is kind of interesting, but we can't follow anything. And, I, and that's it. We're not set of punch dudes. So yeah, it's not like all. you have A and then B. That's not us. We have these long, drawn out, like if I didn't mention this thing here You're, and I start doing this shit over here yep, yep. and it makes no sense to people. Yep. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't tell you I was adopted. Yeah. I so forgot. that's why. Yeah. That's why you're not going to understand this whole bit. Yeah. So and that's when I kind of realized. And that's actually the point when I stopped doing comedy for that three years mm-hmm. because I was like, I can't I can't do this. You chose drinking. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I had chose. I was like, well, I can't do both. So I'm just going to get hammered over here and do my own thing. But I um, I think it's interesting what you said earlier about how you decided to start doing comedy at 27 and leave your job and everything. Because you had said, um, yeah, it might have been a dumb decision, but I could always go back. But I think I think the difference between people who look back on things and go, man, I really wish I would have tried that. And then the people you hear about whether it's on that's social it, media. Yeah. It's just making that decision. Yeah. And, and that's, I, that was it. That was like where I'm looking at it is like, I'm not gonna, I can't have these regrets yeah. that I didn't try it. And, and the problem was, is I did do one open mic. Like it was a, I had a day off. It was a Monday open mic and I went and did it. And it's cause I had been listening to all these podcasts and yep. stuff. And I was super into stand up. and then I finally went and did it. And then the moment I did that, I was like, I, this is it. This is what I want. This is the thing I've been chasing for a long time. And like, I can't be reasonable right now and not try. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can't, I know exactly I can't what just you mean. keep doing this fucking job because it's not where I ever saw myself, you know? And, yeah. and I'm not shitting on anyone that chooses a job over art, you know? Cause like, I get it. I, I did not have a family. I did not have kids. I did not have Anything that was stopping me, I had $10,000 in my 401k that I was just going to retire with. Here we go. Do comedy for three months and then get a job delivering pizzas because it's 27 years old and I could. You know what I mean? And I don't regret a moment of that. Yeah. I I wish I wasn't poor, uh, (laughs) but that's not a regret. That is a genie wish. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but that's the thing is, so working in the service industry, I have guests that will come in and sometimes we get to talking and I'll tell them about how I went to school and I have two degrees and I was going to go to law school and I ended up not. And then they always hit me with that. Well, what are you doing here? Yeah. And it's kind of like, so what I do now is I always, I always tell them, you know, well, I work in the restaurant industry because it's incredibly flexible and I'm pursuing my dream of stand-up comedy. And I could just leave it there, but I'm a very petty individual. So then I go on to say, you know, so many people live their life with so many regrets at the end that they didn't chase any kind of dream. And I don't want that to happen to me. Enjoy your breakfast. And I walk away. (laughs) 
But it's the truth. Like I have my older sister. I love her to death. She's the best person in my life. But she just works constantly. Yeah. And it's she's got security and she's got a house and she's got all this nice stuff. But I look at that and I always think like, I don't mind living in a studio apartment if, you know, making dog shit if it means I get to go up on stage. And yeah. people we're just wired different. Like you said, I'm not shitting on her decision. I'm, she's definitely doing way better than I am. Yeah. But I just I couldn't that mentality of like just working. I don't understand. I just but don't. But also, if you're not driven to art, yeah, which a lot exactly. of people aren't. You know, then then you don't need to make that choice. That's yeah. not like everyone needs to choose between art. No, some people are broken in their brains yep. and want to get on the stage and talk in front of people. And about you have them. to be really broken to want to do it. You really do. Yeah. And so like, if I'm that broken. I can't choose the other thing and yeah. just be broken in my head. You know what I mean? That's I'm actually, I have to do this. That's a great way to put it because I never, I never thought of it like that. Like, yeah. cause in my head it's always been, why doesn't everybody pursue an art? But it's like, Oh, if you're not damaged like that, you have no desire to do it. Yeah. You just, you know, you like going to work. You like your paycheck. You like your retirement. Because you see those people do one open mic that are like, well, everyone in the office says I'm funny and I should try this. And you can see it in their dead cold eyes. They don't actually want to. Like they're just doing what everyone in their office said that, oh, he's got, he's zingy. He's yeah. got, you know, he's got he's a little a, wit. He's got yeah. a thing. And it's like, you don't want this. And then they never show up again because they don't want it. And yeah. it's, it is way different than just hanging out with your friends and being conversational. Because can't stand up comedy is a skill. It's a, it's an art, you know? Yeah. And, and we so. see that at some of the open mics where people come up and they go, Oh, I'm really funny. I'm just going to wing it. Yeah. And we all look at each other. Like you didn't write anything down. You don't have any sort of set list. No, no, no. I'll just wing it. And then they get up there and they fr like yeah. some of us, that happens to some of us now. Yeah. 10 I years mean, into comedy, yeah. you'll, you, I get up there and if I, if my first couple jokes don't land all of a sudden I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You're doing all the math in your head. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I, I know where I started. I know where I'm going. If that didn't work, that's definitely not going to work. But for them to get on stage and just kind of be like, I'll wing it. I'm the funny guy at the office. And then they get up there and, and it's the longest five minutes. Oh my God. Of their and you it never, I feel like, so bad for them when yeah, they do that. I do. And I, yeah, you're right. But then I'm like, well, these people don't care about it the way I do. So yeah. I, I have to like remove myself from the same category as them. So I can't be mad at them for yeah. treating it differently. But also I can't have any respect for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, that's true. Because you know what wanting to do comedy is. You, Brennan, me, Brian. It It is this voracious appetite for watching a lot of stand-up before you start. It's listening to all these podcasts and like getting it all in and just like soaking it in. I mean, I listen to like comedy bang bang and Doug loves movies and Nerdist and all that stuff before I started, like, and there was no way I wasn't going to start. And I yeah. was just doing homework by listening to that shit. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But, um, you know, now I don't listen to anything <laughs> except, uh, Brennan is my ex drinking buddy on <laughs> Apple podcast, Spotify and Stitcher. Boom. With the plug, but it's just, it's, it's one of those, I'm a professional, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though. Like you see those people get up and I like though they get to the bar 
and they get hammered because you got to get well, hammered terrified. before your first time. Yeah. yeah, I'd be scared too. Yeah. And there's a part of me and it's because I think it's because I'm super emotional, like super sensitive and I'm oh, I'm way overly empathetic towards people. So when they get up there, even my friends, like when Emily first came onto the scene and she was she was super supportive, came mm-hmm. to every show, loved it. She loved comedy. She had that voracious appetite. Mm-hmm. We're going to get her on the podcast one of these days, but I remember when she first went up, I was terrified because she's my friend. And I was like, if she doesn't do well, it's like I'm not doing well. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like I felt so strongly about like, you know, especially because it's a friend. I'm like, I hope she does. And she did really well her first time. And then her second time she didn't do as well. But I was like, okay, but you. Which is always the case. Always. that's how you know you're a real comic. That's the first thing you'll see when you're a real comic because you do good your first time and then the second time you're like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and then you come back to do it again. Yeah. That's when you've kind of crossed that threshold yeah. into, okay. And that's the weird thing about it too is because we've all had shows where we've just eaten a big old big old dick. Yeah. But it's so it's so bizarre to me because like you said, it's it's art, and everybody knows stand up is no matter how many people want to be like it's not real art, it's fart and dick jokes. It's like yeah, but but it's it, also art. If you <laughs> true, but also if you listen, like we're commenting on, it's so weird when people are like, oh, you should just stick to the yuck yucks. It's like this is this is my yuck yucks. Like yeah. commenting on social like social things or political things or things that are going on in the world is the whole basis of my storytelling. Yeah. So like that's the whole point. And I remember I was talking to uh, I was talking to some family members a few weeks ago and I was like I was kind of working out some material on them, like just a couple of things that I was thinking about talking about on stage. And they were like, oh, I don't know if you should should say that stuff. And immediately in my head, I said, I definitely need to say this stuff because it's just it's one of those things where I always like to push it to keep going to like kind of see what I can get away with. Sure. But also it's there in your head. So there's a reason it's there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I hate that, that what you're talking about with comedy where it's like stick to the yuck yucks thing. Cause nobody goes and watches the Revenant and is like, stick to the bang, bang guns. <laughs> you jerks. I just want some explosives. <laughs> like fuck off. <laughs> That's not how art works. <laughs> Oh God, that's that's going in the clip for the promo. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's just so frustrating. I don't know why comedy has to be this dumbed down thing because it's not. The best comedians of all generations have been irreverent people. Yeah, you know. I and yeah, just, there's been some dumb ones. You know, there's yeah. always going to be a Larry the Cable guy to your Bill Hicks. And yeah, that's fine. You can have those guys that stick to their yuck yucks, but the ones that get remembered forever are irreverent people. George Carlin, Lenny Bill Bruce. Hicks, Lenny Bruce, fucking, you know, Dave Chappelle. Even. Yeah. You know, all of these people are irreverent people. Did I tell you what my mom told me to do with Dave? So Dave lives right outside of Dayton. Everybody oh, knows right, that. Yeah. And she goes, hey, we're doing the show up in Dayton. And she goes, you should reach out to Dave Chappelle. <laughs> you should reach it. out to Dave Chappelle. Did you do it? No. <laughs> First of all, there's probably layers of agents and managers and social media managers. I don't know, man. And, he lives. He lives in Ohio. I know. Maybe not. But, <laughs> but I looked at her. I go, "That's like inviting Taylor Swift to your karaoke night. Like, what? Do you, what? <laughs> He's the greatest comedian of all time, arguably. Like, and you want me to invite him to a bar show? He comes to everything in Dayton. Okay, mom. All right. Cool. 
Invite Dave Chappelle. Oh my! The trick God. is to invite his wife, and then he has to go. Yeah, that's how you get real comics. <laughs> I love. Did you see his Emmy speech? Mm, yes, I did. The very end of it, where he goes into my wife, who's had to live with the best comedian of all time for the last twenty years. I was like, "Fuck yeah, man!" Yeah, I love that. But it's like you said, it's the 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 whole point, the whole driving force for me is. And I've said this a million times, but I feel like that scene in Jerry Maguire where I'm like, I have so much to say and no one to listen. Yeah. So that's why I get on stage. And that goes back to what you're saying earlier about that broken part. So I've literally substituted my obsession with trying to feel better with alcohol and drinking and drugs to that feeling on stage. One of the worst parts about this pandemic, obviously, from a, from a comedy standpoint... I'm not saying this is the worst part. Obviously, the death and the loss of life and the loss of income for people and stuff is much worse. But just from a purely comedic standpoint, sure. the worst part of this pandemic is if you go up and bomb, it's weeks before you can do another show. Yeah, and you just hold on to you it. Ju- oh, because yeah. that's what happened to me. I bombed in Dayton, and I literally thought about that for a month and a half. I got up at Veterans, and I did real well. And then I've, I've been better since. And now I'm almost nervous to do another show because if it doesn't go well, it's like mm-hmm. you're going to just hang on to it. And luckily here in Florida, we can do the outdoor shows and stuff. And I mean, now they're doing it everywhere. New York, who mm-hmm. was super duper locked down, is even doing shows on rooftops and parking yeah. lots and stuff. Well, and Florida's just opened up now. Yeah. So we can do shows inside, too. Yeah, I guess um, the governor came on and just said, I'm lifting all restrictions, but didn't kind of give any sort of guidance. So I know. Well, I, that's because he doesn't want to be in trouble. Okay. When, you know what I yeah. mean? Oh, that's, absolutely. That's all they do. Is, yeah, because I work in two different restaurants and I'm like, what does that mean? Does yeah. that mean we're at full capacity? Do we still have to follow CDC guidelines? Do I still have to wear a mask? Like what's happening? And everyone's just kind of like, we don't know. He just said all. And we we're just like, okay. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, we can do shows whenever, wherever now. Got to open up Rain Dogs every Monday. Well, Rain Dogs has been doing shows. Have they? Not comedy, but they've been uh, okay. doing uh, music shows. So, like, it's available. It's I, I don't know. I don't know anymore. That's insane. Uh, I, it's, I'm in a position where I don't really want to accept things right now. Like, I'll do a couple things. Like, the uh, the one show we were talking about yeah. that was maybe this week. Um, it's It was like, I was asked a couple times and I, and I do want to support it and stuff like that. So I don't want to keep turning down stuff, but it's like, I'm also uncomfortable with, you know, the COVID thing. Yeah. And there's no way I'd be comfortable doing a show like at rain dogs yeah, in so that small. packed room Yeah, with, and I mean, it's the room is perfect for comedy because yeah. it's low ceilings. It's everyone's up on the stage. Black mold. Yeah. Black mold. <laughs> but, um, that's, the it, the weird thing about what we do is things that are conducive to comedy are completely anti everything that they told us to be aware of for right. the virus. Exactly. So and that's why we're the ones hurt the most. Yeah. Like that that you know we can't do our thing on live like we can't do our thing uh, streaming because it's different because the audience isn't there whereas a band can just play their jams and you know yeah stream it and still make money doing that oh yeah for sure and it's of course different for them and and i'm not saying it's not but like comedy is such a fucking right in front of the audience thing yeah you have to that it's just so hard to figure out how to make it work otherwise that's why we're all biting at the the tip to get back into it oh yeah but it's like now you said you did um, a bunch of shows uh, around music. COVID. <laughs> You've done a bunch of shows around music, like at like the music festivals and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done a ton of like a lot of festivals that have music and stuff. I've done 
I, you know, I early on, cause I, I looked at people that I really respected in comedy and they were doing it and, uh, like a Patton or a Brian Posehn yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like, they work with bands sometimes. Yeah. So I, you know, anytime an opportunity arose where I could open for bands or be in the middle of a middler for bands, I took it cause it's now fun. Tell, tell me a little bit more. Tell us a little bit more about that experience because I've only ever worked with bands once. Mm-hmm. And it was at a fundraiser for mm-hmm. a sober thing at a bar. And there were five bands. Then there was a raffle. Then I was like the interim halftime show for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then five more bands. And it was the worst okay. experience. That's the worst. Yeah. Of my life. So it, it's hard because you want to find something where it meshes. Yeah. So the best example of just like a show working would be that it's like comedy and then maybe one maybe two bands okay you can't have a ton of bands and you can't you have to be as important to the show as the band like which is hard to do because generally people go to a music show to see music and then they have no interest in comedy like and the opposite like if i just threw a random metal band in front of you well you know six comics were on stage and like here's a metal band in the middle everyone would go to the bar yeah because that was not the mode that they were in that's not yeah exactly when you do it at a festival it's much easier because you create its own stage um like when I did Fun 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 Fest or Sound on Sound Fest, there's there's a stage off somewhere else that is only comedy. Okay, so like yeah. a second secondary stage so kind of thing. So people can go to that thing, go enjoy comedy, and when they want to see bands, they leave. Okay, they're not waiting for their band to play. They're not waiting, watching people talk, waiting for their band to play. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like they're making an active choice to go watch comedy, and yeah. that's. Perfect, because comedy then allows, especially in a festival format, um, it allows people to take a breather and rest. Like uh, comedy, I get to go sit down and I get to just not be in the sunny heat of a festival watching, you know, sweaty people. Yeah, jump around. Yeah, jump into my girlfriend and (laughs) have to be like, my arm is out. I stop it. Like. So it works really well in those situations, but it doesn't work if you throw a comic up on the same stage as the bands and then like, well, hey, here's Brian Ziola. Yeah. Have you ever done that? Have you ever like... I have. The first festival I ever did was a Houston one and it wasn't like just opening for a band, but we were way too like in the middle of the music festival we were uh it the way i describe it, i don't know if this will work for everyone but like when you used to go to vans warp tour there was always the ernie ball stage where like mm. local bands play yep, yep. and it's just like right there in the parking lot like right next to two of the big stages so yeah. you hear rancid on one stage yep. blink 182 on the other and then you sh- shitty like the guitar's not tuned band right in the middle and nobody wants to hear that so i remember seeing people like walk by my stage with their like hand visored against their face like i don't want to look i don't want to make eye contact with this person i just want to get to the stage i want to be at uh and that sucked it wasn't great but but then i've done great ones where it's it's tons of fun like fest is the best example of it because fest takes over gainesville and it's at a bunch of different places. So comedy is only at the one place in Gainesville. Okay. And so people have to actively go to that bar, go into the bar, get their wristbands checked, and then sit down, get a drink, and then there's comedy. Yeah. 
So, so it's not it even works. like it's just like comedy's happening in a city where a bunch of stuff's happening. Now, when do yeah. they do? So, say this whole pandemic wasn't going on. When is fest normally? It's usually around Halloween. Okay, um, whatever weekend works around Halloween. Now, Gainesville, for people who don't know, is where the University of Florida is, right. and it's it is a college town. The college town towns exists are always going to be so much better for stuff like that. Comedy in general, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's because it's got younger, smarter people. Yeah. You know? Well, and that was the thing, too. When I did the show, um, when I've, I've done a few shows now where the crowd is the crowd. Right. And I, you know, I try not to complain about the crowd. But the people who come up to me afterwards and are like, oh, that was a really good show. I'm like, that's my Democrat. That's who I want. You know, more, you know, it seems like they know what was going on. They followed the stories. They got the jokes. And then you, you know this as well as I do because the style, you'll have people come up to you after and be like, why didn't you do this? Or you should have said that. Yeah. And it's like you weren't listening. Like you were only like you could only hear words like dick and pussy and cock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I don't say those things or because I don't say them as often, none of it registered. Because you've got it's awesome, like heavy hitting jokes, but if people aren't listening, then it's there's... hard, and it's an act of choice that I'm like, you know, because I do write one linery stuff too, but like I don't get anything out of that. Yeah, like they're fun and they work, but the longer stuff, like yeah, I'm taking a risk because people have to be into it, but I get way more out of it because I'm telling the story I want to tell. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and that we're both storytellers in yeah. that way, so it's harder, but you know. Comedy's so weird too because the audience is always gonna do that shit. There's always gonna be someone who tells you what you should have done, which is it's, so weird. I don't understand it. I I don't like you don't go up to you know Billy Corgan and be like you should have played guitar this way. Like that's not yeah. how art works. You don't go up to a painter and be like, well, this brushstroke should have been a little more. Yeah. Should you know. have. How many paintings have you done? None. Oh, thank you for your input. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but I've thought about it a lot and I think comedy is so weird because everyone laughs, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's a, such a base emotion, yeah. ha happiness and laughter that everyone thinks they understand it. Um, like you start laughing when you're a baby. Yeah. So like, yeah, I know what works and doesn't work for me as a person for comedy, but I, you also have to be like, well, I'm also choosing a genre of comedy and why am I at the one I hate? You know what I yeah. mean? I don't, I don't go to jazz shows and be like, be more aggressive. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Let's amp it up back there, guys. Come yeah, on. Come on. But Stop I boom, booming. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I don't understand is when, um, and I guess I, I started because what you just said about you, you start laughing when you're a baby is that there's always those people who have made other people laugh. Right. So it doesn't matter that they've never done comedy before, never gotten on a stage. They're like, yeah, but I can I, I make people laugh at work all the time. Like we were talking about earlier. Right. So they want to come up and tell you exactly what you're right. doing wrong. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, I don't know how to deal with it. Um, I know I've been at shows after shows with Marcus and I know you're really good about kind of nodding and like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm too like aggressive. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I get very much like 
who the fuck do you think you are? And that is not a way <laughs> to treat anybody. <laughs> you can't do that. You know what I also learned? I, I had to like learn this trait. Uh, I had to get it out of my system was early on. A lot of people, people would come up and be like, Hey, that was, you were really great. And then I would always say something like, I mean, it wasn't that good. Like I messed up here and like, I'd start telling them yeah. like why I wasn't good at comedy. And then they start like, breaking I down. I just wanted you to think you were good. Let me be. Yeah. <laughs> like you start breaking down your set to yeah. them. Well, I missed this tag yeah. and I was kind of upset about the way that people are a little landed. weird here. I don't know why. Did you notice that? I mean, I, I couldn't see you in the audience, but uh, to the left of the stage though, I got a couple of groans. Do you know what that was about? What, what up with that? What, God, what, what happened to them? That? What's their life like? Oh, um, <laughs> So you think it's going to come back? You think comedy's going to? I don't see how it couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I you know I don't know when. I don't know. I I don't I don't. Uh, this country's so stupid that nothing's going to actually like fully change. Yeah. You know, we'll be back to normal the moment we can be back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. And that means probably a vaccine will be the thing. Like yeah. So we all just get COVID regularly and take uh, medicine for it to get away. But that I. I don't know. I don't know when it's going to happen. I do think it'll be back to normal, though. Well, I think comedy is one of those things like any other art where you can't like there's you can't you can't create a vacuum of it and not not. You know what I mean? Not fill that with something. Yeah. Yeah. People need to laugh. I mean, and that's what and Marcus was talking about this last week because he's been doing a lot of shows. And it's something I noticed at Veterans and I'm sure you've noticed at Hyperion doing those shows is that. People will come out and they just kind of want to laugh. Like they just kind of want to go out for a night and have a good time. Right. And we're going to have that for a little while. And then that honeymoon period will go away. Oh, it definitely does. To shake people again. Because that's what I've noticed when we first reopened the restaurant. People were coming in and tipping like 40%. And oh my God, thank you so much. I'm so happy you guys are open. We just wanted to get out of the house. And now we're back to normal where people are just pieces of shit. Tell me about um, with the outdoor show, how it how it's different and this would be interesting i think to the audience because like we talked about earlier comedy is more conducive in a smaller space where you can get the laughter because i know when i did a couple outdoor shows i thought i bombed terribly and everyone's like oh it wasn't that bad you just can't hear the laughter that's a thing for sure um you know for the audience perspective like to make you feel safe to come out like it is a cool situation that shows can allow you to just be with your group at a table you're not elbow to elbow or shoulder to shoulder like yeah that is changed like now there's one table for you and your three people or whatever um and you don't you can be a little safer in that way. I mean, I don't, I don't know the science of it enough to be like how far water droplets can travel yeah. and all that shit. But, you know, I don't want anyone to not be comfortable. So if you're not comfortable, don't come, you know. Yeah. And um, the truth of the world is right now that, you know, some people aren't great about following the rules of what should be happening and they don't wear their masks and stuff and you know just stay away from those people because yeah they, absolutely they are bad people um, <laughs> do you notice a difference though when you're on stage um as far a little as... bit it, you know hyperion was already running outside yeah before so i've gotten used to that so mm-hmm. i don't really notice it in that way uh i do miss doing more intimate indoor shows of course yeah. that's how i do comedy yeah you know um 
I like dark rooms because I'm very sweaty. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it works better for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm always. It doesn't even matter if I'm just like standing on stage. I start sweating. Yeah, it's, especially in Florida. Doesn't matter what time of the year it is outside. It's like, oh, this is this is gonna get gross. Yeah, like real gross. That is me all the time. I just, <laughs> like my dream in any situation is that it's raining hard outside. So whenever I walk into a room, I'm like the rain, right? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> I never even thought about that, but I do love it when it rains because yeah. when I go somewhere, I'm like, God, it's really coming down out there, man. <laughs> So there has been some bright spots during this uh, pandemic for us. Um, you started coming to the AEW events. Yeah, with me. we went to a bunch of wrestling shows together, yes. which is a blast. So one thing that Brian, Marcus, and myself all have in common is we are wrestling fans. Brian and Marcus more so than me, but Brian definitely. Me more so than everyone. I'm like I'm the resident <laughs> wrestling fan. Um, but it was cool. We got to go. Um, the listeners know that I I used to wait on Tony Khan at the restaurant, and mm-hmm. he became one of my regulars. So we were able to go to these AEW shows, which was awesome because it was like almost like a. It was like I, the way I kind of describe it is it's like almost if your parents were like, do you want to have like a wrestling show? You know what I mean? Because it's <laughs> yeah. like nobody else is there. Everyone's totally distant, wild, wearing man. masks. It's, yeah. it's, it was a new experience for me for sure because wrestling is one of the only things I'll go to that is like really big crowds that like because that kind of stuff makes me anxious yeah and uncomfortable. Me too. and i i hate being in like stadium seating and just being like boxed up in that little yeah. seat and like you're rubbing elbows against someone you don't know and shit and like this was incredible from that for me because you got a seat between you you got a row between you you know like yeah. you're not in anyone's way um but I- it was just also like I just have never experienced wrestling in that way. I've seen like little indie shows and stuff where there's not a lot of people, but not Kenny Omega. You yeah, know? exactly. Well, and that's what I thought was so cool about it was the fact that you could literally, they're like right in front of you. The first show that we all went to, um, there, because there still wasn't that many people there. Yeah, it was that. the very first one that we all went to. And it was like, you could reach out and like touch them. Like, yeah. obviously you wouldn't, because of the pandemic. Well, that, and that the first one I went to was the one where Orange Cassidy and Jericho got in the stands. Yeah. And they're and, like right in front of us. Yeah. Thank and God I, I wore mean, my Mystic Rick shirt. I mean, I don't feel that weird being near Orange Cassidy, but Jericho is a god. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've watched that guy for 30 years. Yeah. It's literally his 30-year reunion is, or not reunion, but anniversary is uh, this week. Yeah. So that's, I'm 35. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's so, oh God, I didn't even think about that. That is crazy. Yeah. I told you my age. Sorry. Oh, yeah. We were supposed to keep that a secret. Mm. All right. So we're coming to a close. I wanted to know something I ask all my guests. Mm. Do you have any story that kind of sticks out in your head as far as getting in trouble or any shenanigans, drunk or not drunk? I just always like to close the show with some big. Sure. Um, I don't want you to burn any of your bits. No, I don't want no, you telling no, no. Me. Uh, I had a really weird experience. This isn't drinking. This is drugs because okay. I quit it all together. Um, I, I drugs was a weirder thing because it was more of a mental thing. Like I thought mm-hmm. I was I, I started having a lot of panic attacks and I started feeling like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, so I quit doing drugs for that reason. And then I quit drinking because I needed to be sober. Uh, totally. Um, but I, I have. 
I never did a system. I never did like a 12 step program or yeah. anything like that. I have no accountability with my <laughs> not drinking or not doing drugs. So every now and then I'll jump back and like drink six Smirnoffs in, in a minute. Yeah. Or, and ask you know. the guy in the 12 step program to hold them for you mm-hmm. while you drink. Them. Oh, that was bad. I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. Fine. I told you, I just wanted to bring it up, man. I remember cause I didn't even think about that. And I'm, then you're holding these Smirnoff bottles for me and opening them for me. And I just am fuming Smirnoff yeah. smell. It was <laughs> fun though. It was yeah. a great time. It didn't bother me. I just thought because you were so apologetic about it. I was like, Oh, this is hilarious. Yeah. So I got back, uh, this is a few years into comedy, and, you know, everyone smokes weed in comedy, so you're like, well, maybe that makes you better when you're early on, you <laughs> yeah, know, I you don't have, know. You have no idea. Yeah, so I was like, me and a friend were like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna do, I'm going to smoke some weed tonight. Hadn't done it in years. I, I probably quit smoking weed like six or seven years before that. Okay. Um, all drugs. Uh, so I was in his house and he's kind of a rich dude uh he had like a three-story house oh wow yeah um this is in texas this is in houston yeah and so we're up like where his tv room is uh at the like very top floor okay and we start smoking this weed and it's it was kind of like a haircut for me where i like smoked one bowl and i'm like fuck yeah this is how i remember it this chill yeah this is like this is how i used to be in high school when i always smoked weed like and I smoked another bowl. And I was like, no. <laughs> Never again. Why would I ever do this? Why did I do that? Um, and we were watching. <clears throat> we were watching. Uh, I. It was like. Uh, it was late at night, but it was like Nicktoons. It was like some Nicktoon channel. Okay. So, and there was this weird commercial where there were like all the Nicktoons. And it was like. 2011 or 2013 or whatever so everything's like dubstep and yeah, shit yeah, yeah. and there's just like bright colors and i'm and i'm like <laughs> i'm like having all that like this this uh sense bullshit happening all this loud noises and bright colors and then it's also something that's nostalgic for me like i'm remembering all this like childhood moments yeah and i just start panicking oh god and like at first I'm just like pulling a blanket over me and I'm like <laughs> just scared and I'm like having like a shining moment like this TV is throwing an axe through my bathroom door right now and yeah. I I hate it and uh and then I like look at him and he's just fine and I'm like I get mad I get really mad that he's Uh-oh. just okay so I tell him I need you to leave the room and this is his house yeah but i'm like you need to go you need to get out of here i need you to go down all the way downstairs (laughs) and i I remember like being like you need to go all the way downstairs to like where your garage is and you you have a bedroom down there go hang out in there like i can't handle this right now what did he say he's like all right man uh like he's like he's he was in he's my old he's a friend i had in high school he's he's gonna do it and he goes and then i remember like 15 minutes i'm i'm I doing a thing where I just like have the light of my phone like up at the ceiling so mm-hmm. I could just focus on that one point, just the light of my phone. <laughs> and I'm looking at it and then I hear dishes. I hear like a pot and a pan and yeah. like someone's cooking something. And I'm like, and I just start doing the math in my head and I'm like, the kitchen's on the second floor. Oh, God. And I just start yelling, you need to go all the way downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't smoke weed again after that. Very that good. was it. Oh that was my done. God. That's intense. <laughs> all the way 
down the stairs. <laughs> it's his garage. I was sending a man to his garage. Um, it's not okay. So now you don't do drugs anymore. No, I don't. Oh, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I'm glad you did it. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Brian. This is a blast. Plug- I, I could, we, we just talk like we're friends. So. I know. That's what we do anyway. Plug everything uh, again one yeah. more time. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, Brian Ziola. You'll see my name in the description on Apple Spotify or Stitcher. Um, <laughs> I've got shows at Hyperion every month, third Friday. Um, I don't know. If Start a Patreon for me and put money in it. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> and of course, Brennan Tassif, Brennan T Comedy on all social media. And we will see everybody next week.